Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thank you so much to everyone for tuning in today. Before we begin today's episode, I want to say thank you to our newest supporters, Kat, Eddie, and an anonymous donator. Thank you so much for your generosity. If you're interested in supporting what we do here, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash paranormal mysteries or head on over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash paranormal where you can make a simple one-time donation. And of course, subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with all of your friends is one of the best ways to show your support and we always appreciate it. Now, let's get ready and start the show. Happy Sunday, everybody, and thank you all for being here. As always, I'm your host, Nick Ryan. Today's first listener story comes to us from Pam. Pam's story is called Ghost. Pam says, Thank you, Nick, for allowing me to share my horrific event. We'll start with some background. I have had many events and encounters throughout my life since I was a young child and I will be glad to share them with you, all, at another time. So, let's get to why I'm here now. A few years ago, I was surfing the iTunes app on my phone, when I came across a Spirit Box app. I was curious about this app, as many unsuspecting people are. I was hesitant to download the app, and I had a gut feeling it was wrong to do so. However, curiosity got the best of me. I downloaded it, feeling excited and scared, and somewhat shameful. I started to ask this app questions in regards to my past. Strong feelings of being watched, things being moved, etc. had been happening even more. So I decided to ask things so there would be no way that Google, Siri, or Alexa could know a proper or even spooky response to my questions. Every answer that came through was highly accurate and freaked me out so terribly that I deleted it immediately. I was scared. Now fast forward a year. Two nights before Thanksgiving, my teen son was playing and asked me if he could download the app. I said no way, but he was persistent, saying that it wasn't real. I said fine, do it, and if you get scared, don't come to me. 
He downloaded the app. He spoke clearly to it, but nothing. He kept demanding a reply to his questions, and again, nothing. He requested that the spirit do something to him to let him know that it was there, but again, nothing happened. He closed the app and said, See, it doesn't work. I was very, very uncomfortable with what he had done, but went on with my evening. I went back to planning our Thanksgiving dinner. Everything was quiet that evening. The next day, my husband and son had gone to a property to complete some yard work. I stayed back so I could go to the store for our holiday meal. I had a sudden urge to stay in and not go anywhere for a while, but I ignored it. Going to the car, I was thinking of many reasons not to go, thinking that I could just manage with what I already had in the pantry. I opened the garage door, and it was unseasonably warm, as most Thanksgivings are in the South. No breeze, just hot and humid. It seemed a little more quiet than normal. I felt like I was being watched. I got in the car and cranked it up, placed my seatbelt on, checked the backup camera, and looked over my shoulder. Behind me, I saw my son's drink cup he had left in the holder. I said a few choice words because I don't like trash being left in the car. I put the car in park, got out, and opened the back passenger door. The car door was all the way open. I reached in and picked up the cup with my right hand and switched it over to my left hand. I then put my right hand on the car as I placed the cup against the garage wall. As I placed the drink cup on the floor, the car door slammed shut. Yes, it completely slammed shut, and on my finger. I was in shock. No one was home. No wind. Nothing. The car door had been open in front of me, so the force, facing me, would have to have come from the other side of the car door. There was absolutely no reason for the door to be able to move even an inch, yet it had forcibly slammed shut on my finger. I felt no pain. My heart was racing, and I felt scared. I don't know why, but I felt dread and fear as I looked at my finger closed up in the door. My first reaction was to yank my finger out, but I remained calm, even though I wanted to scream for help. After a few seconds, which seemed like minutes, I composed myself, and using my left hand, I opened the car door. My right hand felt like a lead weight. How? Why? Adrenaline? The cut was to the bone on the thick, fleshy side and busted the blood vessels at the nail bed. I don't know why, but it wasn't painful. I think I was in shock. I was able to go inside my home and wrap it up. I called for help and went to the ER. There they worked intensely and repaired the damage. The hospital staff, my family, and everyone looked at me in disbelief as I repeated what happened. We have not been able to recreate the act. You be the judge. What do you think? An angry spirit or a disturbed soul? Thank you again for letting me share my painful story. I will never place my hands near a car door again. Our next listener story comes to us from Cat. Cat's story is called The Thing in My Room. Cat says, Hello, Nick. Thank you for taking the time to read my story. Both of these took place about 15 years ago. I don't know if this would count as a sleep paralysis story or a night terror, 
but it was definitely the most afraid I had ever been in a dream state. There is a meme out on the internet of a hooded figure scribbled in pencil. It has a ghoulish smile and eyes that seem to look to the core of you. Even now, I get a pit in my stomach when I see it. I had seen it a few times before in those jump-scare videos, so I already had a negative connotation with it. One night while I was sleeping, I dreamt that I was looking down at my room from an aerial view, my bed at the time facing one of the walls of my bedroom, and I was facing the wall. Floating in the middle of the room behind me was the scribble demon. The line work of it moved like TV static, and it bobbed up and down slightly. It was clearly watching me. I remembered the sheer terror I felt, knowing it was there. I started reciting the Lord's Prayer, thinking this thing was going to kill me, and I remember I was crying. The view then changed, and it was like someone was watching this scene play out from the wall. I could see myself and the scribble demon behind me, moving like TV static. I closed my eyes tight and prayed for God to make it go away. Eventually I fell asleep, and when I woke up again, it was gone. I never saw it again. I choose to think it is unrelated, but when my parents looked at the house this happened in for the first time, there was a noose hanging in the closet that would eventually be my room. I wasn't told until years later, but it explained the uneasiness I had in the room and when I was left home alone. The only other thing that ever happened to me like this was significantly less scary. I was laying on my back in bed, looking up at my ceiling fan, trying to fall asleep. I closed my eyes, but I could still see my ceiling fan, like I was looking through my eyelids. No matter how many times I opened and closed my eyes, I could still see the ceiling. I ended up falling asleep, thinking that it was neat. I like to believe that the first bit of my story was just a night terror. I take a great deal of comfort, thinking that it was just the workings of my own mind and nothing more sinister. But it sticks with me, because these are the only two times in my 28 years of life that I have had experiences like this. Our minds can make up the most frightening things when we least expect them, and I sincerely hope that this is all it was. Kind regards, Cat. Our next story of the night comes from Joe. Joe's story is called Late Night Experience. Joe says, I woke up suddenly at 2 or 3 a.m. I first remembered a flash of light outside my window above my bed. I always looked at that overhang because it would light up when someone was on the other side of the wall in the bathroom. There also used to be a huge wasp nest under there that freaked me out. I was 19 and living with my mom, working and going to college. I always had an interest in paranormal stuff, but I wasn't researching anything related around that time. Just out of nowhere, I became conscious in my head that I was in serious danger. I couldn't open my eyes or yell, although I tried immensely to, for about a minute. As I was paralyzed, the strangely familiar thought of, it's happening again, came to my mind. I cannot remember anything more. After the paralysis ended, I finally let out two to three screams for my mom, something I never did as a young adult, and I opened my eyes. After I got over the explosion of fear, I wrote everything down briefly. 
I then transferred those short notes into a journal I had growing up. That story and my memory have remained the same for 20 years now. You simply can't forget terrifying things. The funny thing is, what if the unlikely happened and I was abducted, or I interacted with unknown entities? If that's true, that means that I did forget just about the whole event, except the beginning, an associated memory of a flash of bluish-white light outside my window and under the overhang, and finally ending with the paralysis lifting. The next day I asked my mom if she had heard or seen anything, and she said that she did go to the bathroom really late in the night and heard some yelling or loud talking. So that means that it's either, number one, a coincidence that she woke up around the same time when I screamed, or number two, she woke coincidentally when I screamed, but her action influenced the abduction by ending it early, or preventing it, etc. Or possibly, number three, she awoke because I was screaming, and then realized that she had to go to the bathroom because the screaming ceased and she was awake. I'm more skeptical in general than I was when I was younger, but I've never experienced such horrific terror before or since that event. It was primitive, deep-seated, all-encompassing terror. I had a few more similar experiences involving waking nightmares and sleep paralysis, or at least some kind of outside-induced equivalent, where I was physically not in control, and my mind would rattle from panic. I couldn't move, but felt someone or something was behind me, and zapping me in the back with something, or some kind of electricity. Another time I saw a figure in my peripheral vision that kept me pinned on my bed, sideways. I hope I find out someday why all of these events precisely occurred, and how, and by whom, etc. Thanks so much for this podcast. Joe. Our next listener story comes to us from Jenny. Jenny's story is called Floating Fabric. Jenny says, Hey Nick, I love your podcast. I listen to it while I'm at work. I wanted to send you this story from when I was a kid, maybe 10-ish. In my trailer court, there is a park in the middle of my street. On the other side of the park is another part of the trailer park. Me and my mom were cutting through the park to go home after trick or treating. We got to our street and I happened to look up at the sky and saw what looked like a brown fabric floating in the sky. The end of the fabric looked like it was waving in the sky, like it was windy, but it was not windy that Halloween night at all. I said, Mom, look, what is that? She looked up. She didn't know what it was either. We watched it for a bit. It went over the trees, so we couldn't see it anymore. We had absolutely no idea what it was. To this day, we still have no idea what that floating fabric was. Was it a drone that someone dressed up, trying to scare people? Or was it something else? There was no sound to it at all, just silence. If anyone has some explanation for this experience, that would be great. I still wonder what it could be to this day. Thanks, Nick. Our next story of the night comes from Juliana. Juliana's story is called Shadow Woman. Juliana says, I will start by saying that I have had a few paranormal experiences growing up. This particular instance sticks out the most in my mind because my fiancé was with me and saw exactly what I saw. 
My fiancé received a call around 3 a.m. one morning from his younger brother. He had been in a car accident and needed us to pick him up. We got into the car and made our way towards the scene of the accident. The road we needed to take was in an area that was mostly farmland. It was 4 a.m. in the middle of winter, so it was pitch black outside. I was driving, and my fiancé pointed out what looked to be a coyote. As we drove closer, it was much larger than a coyote, so we assumed it was a wolf. We continued driving, and not even 500 feet ahead, I saw someone walking on the side of the road. I squinted and looked again, convinced that I was imagining it. My fiancé turned to me and asked if I had just seen the woman walking on the side of the road. It struck us as odd, because it looked as if she had no coat on. I am not one to pick up hitchhikers, but I told him to at least give a warning from the window that we had seen some sort of animal and offer a ride, or to possibly offer our phone for her to call someone. I reversed a bit, and when we looked back, there was no one there. I felt a chill down my spine and decided to just keep driving. We picked up his brother, and within 15 minutes we were headed back in the direction we had just come. There was no woman in sight. I am fascinated by everything paranormal, so the next morning I did a Google search of the area. I found that years ago, a high school couple had headed home from a school dance and had crashed and died on the road, about 50 feet back from where we saw this mysterious woman. People claim to have seen the spirit of a woman walking down the road. We have driven down that road other times since, not as late, but have never seen her again. Our next story of the night comes from Sia. Sia's story is called Paranormal Update and an Unexplained EVP. Sia says, Hello, Nick. I had written to your show a while ago. My story was called A Suited Stranger, and it aired on October 4th, 2020. It was then my only paranormal or unexplained encounter. But since then, my best friend Kara and myself have started our own podcast that discusses religious exploration and spirituality. We had planned on making this podcast since before I found your show, and we record several episodes at once, so there is less editing on the back end of things. It seems a silly point, but trust me, I no longer think anything is irrelevant in this story. Kara and myself were discussing the Fae, and in fact have an entire episode dedicated to them, and how to be respectful and giving them space, offerings, and so forth. We finished our recording and went about our days. The episode was edited and was posted. I am always the first listener when the episodes air on Thursday mornings. This episode, though, began differently, with an apology from Kara, which is odd because she didn't tell me anything about an apology or why she would be saying what she was. She states that there is interference during this episode, interference that she cannot edit out, and asks for you to try your best to ignore it, and hopefully in the future with better software, we can avoid this. The show plays, and we're chatting and discussing how to be polite in nature, leaving offerings, how mad we get when we see people carve their names into trees, and so forth. You can hear what sounds like someone in another room having a conversation, but nothing too crazy. Kara has just had a baby, and I assumed it was her spouse in the other room. I assumed that this was the interference that Kara was talking about. 
That's nothing, I think, and I actually wonder why she apologized for it. Then, she begins to tell a story from one of our listeners, who believes he encountered the Fae. As soon as she begins this story, there are as many as four voices beneath ours, talking, loudly. You can't make out what is being said, but as the story progresses, so do these voices. The voices sound mocking at first, then a bit of a debate, and then just chattering, as if these voices are conversing with us, or reacting to what we're saying. Neither Kara or myself heard these in real time, only when the recording was played back. Kara and myself live 900 miles apart in two different states, two different time zones, and we were both home alone. After I listened to the entire show, I messaged her saying how crazy all the chattering was beneath our voices. She agrees, and even tells me that during the editing, she had to cut several seconds where neither of us were talking, but the air was filled with unintelligible talking. I asked her if it could have been my cat who was wandering in and out of the room during the recording, and she bluntly stated no, and that she had edited out all of the cat noises. She has had many paranormal things happen in her home and throughout her life, so for her to then tell me that she was creeped out really unnerved me. Looking back, I remember where I was standing in my room during that part of the recording, in front of a large bay window that looked out onto a fence with vines growing up and over it in our backyard, which is full of large oaks and is as close to nature as one can be in a large city. I even told Kara that. The unusual thing is, she was in a similar area in her recording room. Knowing where we were when these voices were talking, knowing we were both completely alone, and knowing there was no other logical thing these voices could be, really sends the adrenaline coursing. I thought that I would update you, since I'm 100% counting this as now my second paranormal encounter and I've been binge-listening your podcast to get into the spooky season fully. Regards, Sia. I've included a link to the witchy spellcast with hosts Kara and Sia down in the show notes. I recommend that all of you head on over to their podcast after today's show and listen to the episode for yourself. And while you're there, please consider subscribing to and following the witchy spellcast. Our next story of the night comes from Tyler. Tyler's story is called Something I Saw When I Was Younger. Tyler says, Hey Nick, when I was about 16 or 17, I was sleeping and woke up at about 3 or 4 a.m., staring into the eyes of something I had assumed was a shadow person. Its eyes were dark and empty. No light could pass through it whatsoever. It had an aura I don't really remember feeling uneasy or terrified, like other people have said. It just spooked me a little. It was weird, as it was just laying next to me in bed, like a normal person would do when laying down. Our eyes were just locked, and it made me think of my mother, as she had passed away in 2008 from an accidental overdose. I say this as one of my favorite memories with her was laying in bed with her, just like that thing was. I also had a thought of it being just a stray spirit, just toying with me, because we live in a house built in the late 1890s. I ended up talking to it and saying hi, 
but I wasn't stuck or anything. I could have moved, but I didn't feel threatened. I was simply in awe about what I was staring at. I ended up saying, if you're going to do something, just do it. And then I basically rolled over and just went back to sleep. After I woke up and rolled back over, it was morning and it was gone. I didn't know if this was a sign that my mom was saying hi one last time or something was simply staring at me. I don't know what it was and was hoping someone could explain what it was to me. We have also seen spirits flying around as my uncle had seen two flames kind of dancing in the rain while heading to a well that we had. There has been more, but this is long enough. I've told only a few close friends about this first encounter, and some of them believed me. I wish you great health, and I hope you enjoy my story. I have only a few more if you're interested. Keep up the great work. Tyler Our next listener story comes to us from Eddie. Eddie's story is called Grabbed by a Ghost. Eddie says, Hi Nick. Some time ago I lived in Texas, and I was part of a paranormal investigation team. Well, while on this one investigation in a cemetery, the founder and I were standing by a small gated area where on the old tombstone it had a girl's name, and she died at the age of ten. He was using dousing rods and communicating with the girl, and then all of a sudden she stopped communicating for a minute, and we found out it was because there was a malevolent being that was telling her not to talk to us. You could tell from the responses that she was very upset and scared. The founder kept trying to talk to her, and then a demonic voice came over the EVP and told us to stop talking to her. I was holding a handheld minicam, and a force grabbed hold of my wrist, and I dropped the camera. But luckily, the strap was around my wrist, or the camera would have been broken. My wrist had red marks all around it, and the next day, it was badly bruised. There have been numerous times I've been pushed, kicked, my digital camera screens broken while in my pocket, etc. Also, brand new fully charged batteries have gone dead seconds after investigations have started. I know that there are spirits out there, because I have seen them, and I have been touched by them. I am very sensitive to paranormal surroundings, and my wife has often worried that I might bring something home with me, or worse. I truly believe that as long as you are a believer in Christ, you will be protected. I would love to hear if anyone else has had experiences such as this. Great show. Keep up the good work. Our next story comes from Dom. Dom's story is called Guardian Angel. Dom says, This story was told to me recently by my mom, and I wanted to share it on your platform. When I was a young child, my parents and myself were asleep in their bedroom when I woke them up by screaming and crying. I told my mother that a lady in a white dress with a bunch of tattoos was raising from the foot of the bed. She of course told me this was a nightmare, and we went back to sleep. When we woke up in the morning, my mom got a call from her brother, saying that my aunt had died that night. My mom didn't think much of my dream until later on, but the description I had given my mom was an exact description of my aunt on her wedding day. My mom and I 
think that it was my aunt that I saw. I believe that everyone has a guardian angel, so maybe she wanted to come and say goodbye one last time. Or maybe she is my guardian angel. Our next story of the night comes from Essence. Essence's story is called My Gifted Family. Essence says, Hello, Nick. I have recently found your podcast as a Halloween suggestion on Spotify and have been hooked ever since. I work an hour from home, so it keeps me company on the drive between shifts. I also want to thank you for having this platform for me and others to tell our experiences and giving me this opportunity to tell mine. It's hard to tell my stories without going all over the place, but I will start with a little backstory of my family. I am the youngest of five, with a 13-year age gap of my eldest brother. So growing up, I remember hearing of various experiences from my mom and older siblings, but I did not completely understand them at the time. We live in a small town in southeast Iowa, which has a history of being a part of the Underground Railroad, as well as being a part of Native American land. We lived in a quadplex of townhouse apartments. It was a group of three buildings, with four adjoining apartments, all facing each other, with a parking lot and small playground in the middle. I was told that the buildings were built on old Indian burial grounds, and that was the reason certain apartments never stay filled for very long. We were one of the only families to be there the longest, totaling about 16 years before we were forced to move due to business developments. Growing up, I remember very specific moments of my siblings hearing knocking on bedroom doors, limbs being pulled while sleeping, and even hearing their names being called when everyone else in the apartment was sound asleep. I even remember being told that if I were ever to be awake around 3 or 4 a.m., the witching hour, and were to go downstairs in the living room, I would be bound to have some kind of encounter. One of my first experiences was when I was about seven or eight. It was a hot summer night, and my mom and I had just finished watching an episode of Unsolved Mysteries, Ghosts. I know, go figure, right? After the episode had gone off, around midnight, my mom and I had turned off the TV, and we went to sleep. As I lay there in bed next to her, I was very hot and uncomfortable, causing me to toss and turn, which kept her awake. She told me that if I couldn't stay still, she would make me go to my own room, which I never liked to be in alone, because I'd always feel as if I were being watched. I would even wake up to my bedroom door being opened, even though I always made it a habit to completely latch it prior to going to sleep. Well, I continued to move, and she made me go to my room. I reluctantly went in and turned on my nightlight, but could not sleep. Not long after lying there, my brother, who was about 13 or 14 at the time, had noticed I was in my room, and he invited me to watch TV and sleep with him for the night. We watched an episode of Roseanne and Cops, and had fallen asleep around 2 a.m. Later the next morning, when we had all woke up, my mom had asked me if I had tried to get back into bed with her, and I told her that I had ended up sleeping in my brother's bedroom with him. She told us that about an hour after my brother and I had gone to sleep, she felt what she thought was me crawling back into bed behind her. She had rolled over to ask me why I was back, only to find the spot empty, and she was alone in her room. She got up and saw that I was with my brother and went back to sleep. 
This is just one of many stories from her, as well as other experiences of my own, and even my nieces and nephews as they grew up in the apartment with us. As I have grown up, and am now 24, I have found that most of the women in my family, my grandmother, mom, sister, one niece of three, and I, are empaths, and we start to develop our abilities at very young ages, around five or six. It has even seemed that no matter where we live, we have come in contact with some sort of spirit or entity. Now we joke about it, and we even name them, and are pretty much unfazed when we have an encounter with them, as it is usually harmless. I even have my own entity in my house that I have named Jeff. We were told that a man had hung himself in the basement of the house a few years prior to us moving in. I have never felt as if he has any ill intentions. He seems to like when I cook, and sometimes will mess with me when I am cleaning or doing anything in the bathroom, such as knocking on the door, walking past the doorway, or even just standing there in my peripheral and disappearing when I turn to look for him. I usually will talk to him and often ask him not to bother me or my dog while I am cleaning. Sometimes if I am sleeping in the living room, he will wake me by tapping me or even doing something to get the attention of my dog. Me, unfazed and half asleep and sort of agitated, will tell him to leave me alone and he will go away. I love my gifts and the connection I have to the spirit world. It makes me feel special and even somewhat magical to be able to see and feel what others cannot. I have many other stories and plan to write in again at a later time. Thanks again for reading my stories, and thanks to all those that contribute to this podcast to make this opportunity even possible. Please feel free to follow up with me if you have any questions. Keep up the great work. Our next listener story comes to us from Rudy, Rudy's grandpa Manuel, and Rudy's grandma, Irma. Their story is called Chinati Peak UFO. Rudy says, This is a genuine true story, told for the very first time. On August 6th of 1980, my grandparents were traveling from Odessa, Texas to Mexico due to a family emergency. They took off around 11 p.m. on the night of the 5th with their two kids, which is my dad and my aunt. My grandpa, along with my grandma's uncle and her brother, were riding in the front seat, with my grandma and the kids in the back. Between 2.30 and 3 a.m., and south of Marfa, Texas, is when they see something strange by the Chinati Peak Mountains. They saw what seemed to be a big fire on the ground against a mountain. My grandma asked if it could be illegals, trying to stay warm, but her uncle said, I don't think so. It would catch the attention of law enforcement and eventually get them caught. My grandparents then said that the fire started forming and rising up to the top of the mountain. When my grandma first saw the fire, it was small from a distance, and as it moved in front of them, it was about a half a mile ahead and about two light posts high. My grandma screamed, Look! And that's when they all realized what it was. Fear started to spread throughout the car, as what they described to be a tremendously fast spinning disc, shaped as if a frisbee, was laid on its face with another one on top of it. Red and yellow fire-colored smoke was raging from the bottom and from the top. They could feel the force from the disc. 
It then started to follow them from a distance along the mountains. It would abruptly stop when they stopped and accelerate when they did. At one time, the disc crossed over into the street in front of them. My aunt says it looked big enough to fit a car into it. That's when they all got really scared, and the kids started to cry, along with my grandma, as she began to pray out loud. They had heard about abductions happening at the time, so they were aware of what could possibly happen. My grandpa, on the other hand, is the bravest man I know, and wanted to catch their attention. He pulled off to the side of the road and got out of the car with a flashlight. He then tempted and called out for the disc to get closer, while pointing the flashlight towards them and saying, Come on, come on! My grandma got out of the car and took the flashlight and told him to get his ass back in the car and to haul ass. The disc then crossed back over towards the mountains. My grandpa said it moved like a rabbit, jumping over weeds. They could see little windows and lights inside, but nobody or nothing controlling it. It made no sound, and they couldn't really see a color due to it being dark. Once my parents got back on the road, the disc was still following them at a distance. It would go up and down the sides of the mountains. Finally, it went behind one mountain and never came back out on the other side. Approaching the ghost town of Shafter, Texas, is when the disc disappeared. My grandma, still in shock, asked her uncle if it could have been witches, but he replied, You'd need a whole regiment of witches to make something like that. See, my grandma had to deal with a jealous witch back in Mexico when her and my grandpa first married, but I'll save that for another story. They said that only one truck had passed them throughout the whole incident. It never stopped or slowed down, it just carried on. They weren't sure if the truck had seen it as well. They had heard about the Marfa lights, but in no comparison was it similar to what they had seen. Unfortunately, they have no proof. They did not have a camera at the time. My grandpa worked at a plant for 43 years here in Odessa and finally retired. He tells me that his co-workers would say that he was lucky to have been able to see that. His co-workers would even try and go to the same spot at around the same time to try and catch it, but no one ever saw it. My grandpa talks about an elderly man who worked at the plant who told him that during World War II, there was a base stationed in Marfa. The soldiers on the ground would see the lights and would think it was the Germans coming to attack. The ones on the ground could see it, but the pilots in the planes would report seeing nothing. My grandparents have no reason to lie, and I've known about this story since I was a kid. This is the first time telling it to anyone outside of our circle. It's a pleasure and a privilege to first present it to one of my favorite podcasts. My grandpa wishes that he could see it again, and asks if anyone with a similar story around the same area to please come forward. Thanks again, and much love. Rudy, Manuel, and Irma. If any of you have seen or heard about anything strange in the area surrounding Chinati Peak, please contact me. Chinati Peak is located approximately 36 miles as the crow flies, southwest of Marfa, Texas, and approximately 14 miles northwest of Shafter, Texas. Even if you'd prefer not to have your experience aired on the show, any information you have would be much appreciated by Rudy and his grandparents.
Our last listener story of the night comes to us from Maricela. Maricela's story is called Doppelganger. Maricela says, Hello, I recently came across your podcast and have been listening to it every day. Before listening to it, I had no idea what a doppelganger was or that the word even existed. Coming across your episode of Doppelgangers brought back a memory I have from when I was about nine years old. My family and I used to live in a rectangular-shaped duplex apartments, which were combined in the middle by the back of the apartment, meaning we had a side and a front door. It was a normal day from what I remember, until my mom asked me to go wake up one of my brothers, because dinner was almost ready. I go and do as I'm told. I go into my brother's room and start shaking him and screaming, Hey, wake up, food's almost ready. But he's always been a heavy sleeper so it took me about three shouts to get him up. I see my brother get up from bed without saying a word, and no expression on his face, which I thought was a little strange, since I woke him up abruptly, and I was expecting him to be upset or something. I see him walk out of his room in a rush, so I decided to follow him, because I thought he was still half asleep, and wasn't aware of what he was doing. He was walking so fast past the hallway, through the kitchen, and out the side door, I'm speed-walking right behind him, calling out to him, Franklin, Franklin, what are you doing? Where are you going? And at the same time, I'm looking around very confused, because nobody seems to care that he had just walked outside when he was supposed to come to the table for dinner. I follow him outside, still calling out to him. He then turns toward the front of the apartment, and as I turn to the front of the apartment right behind him, he disappeared. He was gone so I ran inside through the front door, thinking that maybe he just ran inside to mess with me, or scare me or something. So I shut the door behind me, and I say out loud, Where is he? And everyone inside just looks at me like I'm crazy. So my mom asks, What's wrong? And I explained everything to her. I said, Didn't you see Franklin walk out of the apartment? He walked by in front of everyone. To which my mom replied, You're crazy. Your brother hasn't been out of his room so please go check on him and tell him dinner is ready. So I did, and there he was, still asleep. I know what I saw. I saw him get up and walk outside. I know I was walking right behind him, but I didn't know how to explain the fact that he just disappeared as he turned to the front of the apartment. This experience has never scared me in any way. I just simply didn't know how to explain it. Maybe... I was simply following my brother's doppelganger. I love your podcast. Stay awesome. As we come to the end of tonight's episode, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for tuning in and supporting the podcast. And a special thank you goes out to Pam, Kat, Joe, Jenny, Juliana, Sia, Tyler, Eddie, Dom, Essence, Rudy, Manuel, Irma, and Maricela for writing in and sharing their experiences with everyone. If any of you have thoughts, advice, or a similar experience that you'd like to share with one of tonight's storytellers, you can email me, and I'll be sure to forward your message onto them. If you've witnessed something unexplainable and you'd like to have your story shared on the podcast, please contact me at paranormalmysteriespodcast at gmail.com 
or visit ParanormalMysteriesPodcast.com and click on the Tell Your Story link. All of our contact information can be found in the show notes. Until next time, I hope you all have a great beginning to your week, and we'll see you back here on Wednesday with our next episode. From all of us at the Paranormal Mysteries Podcast, thank you for listening, and remember, don't wait for the unknown to come to you. Get out there and find it.